You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, Rockets fans. Welcome to the weekend, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on all things Houston Rockets basketball. We really appreciate you kicking off your weekend with us. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. As we chat this Friday, I'm making an editorial decision to be happier myself. After all, the past two episodes... They've been relative downers, let's be honest, especially coming off the shocking 145-142 overtime loss on Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets. That, of course, is the one where the Rockets lost big leads late in both regulation and overtime. The Rockets themselves, however, they've got no choice at this point but to move on to their next game, which is Saturday night at home against the LA Lakers, so we might as well do the same thing right here at Lockdown Rockets. And if you want to be happy about the Houston Rockets these days, It starts with one name, James Harden. As brutal as this particular week has been for the Rockets, blowing games that should have been wins against Orlando and Brooklyn, the macro view is that the Rockets have won 14 of their last 19 games. That's gotten them from three games under 500 at the 25-game mark following that collapse in Dallas to six games over at the moment at 25-19 and and squarely in the middle of the Western Conference playoff field. The biggest reason for that surge, of course, it's the reigning MVP, that Harden guy who in this current 14-5 stretch is somehow averaging about 42 points and 9 assists per game. Simply staggering even better than when he was the MVP of the league commandingly a year ago. And in his last two games, he scored 57 and 58 points. Unreal. It's easy to talk about all the moving parts around the Rockets these days because there's so much change. There's so many of those. Daniel House, Clint Capella, they're on the way out for the time being. Eric Gordon, hopefully Chris Paul, James Nunnally, those guys are on the way in. And it's interesting with so much change and the Rockets having so much variability throughout the season to fixate on those. But amid all of that change, we shouldn't overlook the one constant, and that's the historic and legendary run that James Harden continues to be on, and somehow, when you think he's getting tired, he continues to somehow get stronger. And when you consider all the moving pieces and the injuries and the depth issues elsewhere, you can pretty much say that Harden has almost single-handedly brought the Rockets back into the playoff mix. Now, because of that, there's been a lot of great journalism nationally regarding this just insane Harden stretch and how historic it is. And one of my favorite pieces from this week was by my longtime friend and former podcast guest, Kelly Scaletta, who you can follow on Twitter, at Kelly Scaletta, simply his name. Now, he wrote a new piece on his website, The Basketball Writers, titled, Is James Harden Having the Greatest Offensive Run Ever? Now, you may know Kelly previously from national outlets, including Bleacher Report, FanRag Sports, and now The Basketball Writers, that's basically his own subscription website with a ton of great reporters, a really nice enterprise project that they have going on, and I strongly encourage you guys to subscribe and check it out. But don't worry, even if you don't have a subscription, he is opening up that hardened column for free viewing to our Lockdown Rockets listeners. If you can't find it, just click the link to it beneath the podcast post on my Twitter feed, at Ben DuBose, simply my name. It should be pinned to the very top. 
Anyway, in that article, Kelly does a wonderful job putting all the appropriate historical context on this current stretch. And with today as the last off day before we get back into full game mode with the Rockets and Lakers on Saturday night, I thought this was an ideal time to bring Kelly back onto the show and spend the next 20 minutes or so marveling over the brilliance of one James Harden and let Kelly explain to you why he is so convinced that this might be the greatest historical stretch of NBA basketball, at least on the offensive side of the floor. So without further delay, let's hit the phone lines and bring back Kelly Scaletta on the show right here at Lockdown Rockets. Kelly, how are you, my friend? Great. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. It's nice to have a couple of days separation between that brutal loss on Wednesday night. I feel like we've kind of wallowed in self-pity for long enough, so now it's time to look at the positives for the Rockets, and I think clearly that starts with James Harden. I was leading the show talking about your piece for your new website, The Basketball Writers. If folks want to call it up, they can go to bballwriters.com and your column published earlier this week. It's James Harden having the greatest offensive run ever. And you actually published it before the Brooklyn game, which he put up 58. And the thrust of your piece was that he had, for 17 consecutive games, accounted for 50-plus points, including both scoring and assist of Rockets production. I think it's safe to say he uh, clearly eclipsed that on Wednesday, correct? Yeah, yeah. The, the 58 scoring pretty much accounted for that. <laughs> then I think he had another nine points and assists, or uh, six assists, and three of them were uh, threes. So, Even though Colin Coward would have you believe that he scored 115 points without any assists, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, of uh, course. That's how uh, national takes go much of the time. That's one of the reasons why I like you, because you dig beyond just the standard data. And Kelly, my first question to you, before we dig into this piece too deeply, what was the point in which you said, I've got to write about this? Because I know a lot of it, comparing eras, and before we get into the numbers, you had to do a lot of homework to try and compare to those earlier eras. So what was the moment, if there was one, that you said, okay, this is so ridiculous, I've got to look at this data for just how incredibly historic this may be? Yeah, I was looking at it, well, you know how you have that uh, 35 and 5 run going Mm -hmm. for a while where you had like 35 points and 5 assists and you had the longest streak like that? Yeah. I was was already thinking that was pretty impressive. And then you have the 30-point run going. But I kept thinking, you know, people aren't paying enough, ironically, uh, we didn't plan this, paying enough attention to his assists that go along with his points. And I just started noticing that he had you know, this 50-point string going, and I I was wondering, well, gee, how often has this happened? And so I started looking through some of the obvious seasons, like Russ's triple-double season, and Oscar's triple-double season, and Will's 50-point season, and, you know, that run where MJ had a 30-point triple-double going for, you know, a good portion of the second half of the season, Mm. 89, when he took over the point guard, and you know, so I was looking at, you know, and Tiny Archibald had his season, and I started looking through those to see if anybody had ever uh, had a run like that, and the two, initially the two two longest ones I could find were 14 games by Harden and, uh, or by Westbrook and, and uh, Will. This was when he had around 12 games, maybe, and I, I just started saying, well, you know, if he gets up to 14 or 15, I might have to really do some, some digging in and get into this, and so... I uh, downloaded the career game logs of everybody I could think of that could possibly have done it. 
when she, you know that it's not that long of a list because you have to to put up a fifty point night. You know, like Corey Brewer can go out and score fifty points, and it's like an anomaly. But to do it consistently, there just aren't that many players that have that ability. So, and then the the, the more I was doing it, the more I realized, you know, this is just really really impressive, and uh, just could not find anyone. The one exception was uh, Michael Jordan, mm. when which uh, he had a kind of an interesting situation where he had, I think it was he had a, a run of ten, and then he had forty five, and then there was a run of three, and then like where he had forty nine and forty eight. Okay. But we they don't have the ability to track three point assists from back then. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so and each of those games, his teammates had enough threes that it made it at least mathematically possible that he has a streak of 19. Since I published the article, there's a guy that actually works with the uh, the Rockets now doing analytics who has some access to film from back then that he was able to look at some of the of Jordan's assists from the 45-point game and seven of them he can verify were for two. I think it was, or five, five were for two. So there's seven left that he can't account for, but then it would have to be five of those seven were for three, which makes it even less probable. So he, it's still, it's still possible, but there, there's no way to know for sure without actually watching that whole game or something. But still, you know, no matter, and, you know, and so then I looked at, I also looked at, you know, because some people, and it's kind of fair, you know, especially Rockets fans will understand this. It's kind of like, you know, like Russ's triple-double situation mm. where it's like, okay, so he made this arbitrary number of 10 rebounds, right. you know, and because of that, he had a better season than Harden, who only had eight rebounds, but the rest of his numbers were better. So I also, I looked at the most points produced over a 15-game set. And Harden had that beat. I think he had 950 points was his best 15 game set. And then nobody else was even within like 20 or 25 points. And I just going off the top of my head, I think he probably improved on that with his uh, <laughs> offers last night. So, and then I also looked at the efficiency. Um, and he had the third highest true, true shooting percentage of, and, you know, from those sets. Only Jordan and uh, Magic had a higher true shooting percentage, and then it was it was marginal. It was like one percentage point better. So, you know, I, when you, whenever you get into comparing eras and stuff, there's so many nuances that change things uh, that is, you know, I think it's impossible to emphatically say anything about you know this was the best ever. Mm-hmm. But I think it certainly puts. It in, in in the run, you know, the, he he has the longest streak going. He's had the most points produced in a 15 game era, and he's done it efficiently. So, and, and you know, and then I didn't mention this in the article because it started to get a little long. He's done it with basically no help. Right. I mean, his teammates, Gerald Green, came off of the waiver wire last year. Danwell House is, you know, now, and he's, you know, we his situations up in the air. But I mean, like. The, the, the Rockets injury situation is so bad that we're sitting there worried about, you know, the G League contract. You know, it, it, that's what he's doing this with, is, is that kind of quote-unquote help. So it just makes it even more remarkable what he's doing. 
looking at the numbers, one of the things that is striking to me, the vast majority, you look at it through many lens in your article, both the you know the consistency, the productivity, the efficiency. The only ones that are even close, other than Russell Westbrook, and he wasn't nearly as efficient two years ago, are from eras long by. And I agree right. with you, it's tough to compare eras. So what I do think, looking at that data, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you see a lot of comparisons these days because I know cross comparisons are hard. So you see more hardened to, you know, LeBron, Kobe, their outbursts, basically, let's say the post 2000s NBA. When I look at this data, there's hardly anyone even close in what we would consider the modern NBA. And to me, that's especially important because with modern NBA, we've seen, you know, the scoring outburst a little bit. Clearly, the rules are different. So at least in terms of his most comparables, I would say, to me, that's where you see the biggest separation. If there was ever someone close, it would have been a run like, you know, Oscar Robertson, Wilt, MJ, back in the day, those types. As far as the modern day, we've never seen anything like this, correct? Right. And I, I, I think in terms of the modern day and the fairest comparison, uh, I think LeBron James is pretty fair because he's had teams built around him that are built for his success the same way James has. For the most part, he's mm-hmm. played with the same rules. He's played in the same era, and that even he hasn't come that close. If I remember right, his longest streak was eight games, mm-hmm. uh, and his highest point total was around 880. Like Harden's 15-game to- point total is like 70 points higher. His longest streak is more than twice as long, and you know it, it's not like LeBron is a slouch or something, you know. No. It's just phenomenal what Harden is doing right now. I, I, I think he's just got so much hate for him, you know, because the, the way he draws fouls, the the way that he, you know, he he, he makes a step back so effective to where it's kind of got this reverse Euro step type situation to it that looks mm-hmm. like traveling even though it's not. Like a lot of fans don't understand just how incredibly skilled what he's doing is, you know? And so I, I don't think it gets quite the same appreciation from NBA Twitter, for instance. Yeah. I, I think some of the I, I'm I'm not in the Houston market, so a lot of the games I watch are not Houston Broadcast, yeah. Broadcast, right. And it's like almost every other broadcaster has to take a dump on him at some point in the game. So I think, you know, some of that's fueled by other broadcasters and stuff. And uh, it's just kind of, I feel like he doesn't get the appreciation he should for his talents. It's just, there's so much skill involved. He's the only guy in the history of the league that's ever led the league in threes, free throws, assists, and scoring. Did you know that? I did not. That is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and you know th- those are the three, the, you know, like the three most important areas to score from, right? You know, yep. Or, or, you know, the three most important scoring stats, and then but free throws, like free throws don't count though. The, well, yeah, free throws only count for other teams, or right? Whatever, I don't. Right, but Kelly, uh, take take your you know data hat off for a second. I just want to ask you, as a fan of the sport. What is he doing differently, even relative 
to a year ago. To me, it's the efficiency, the footwork, which you mentioned earlier, the incredible degree that even with minimal separation, he's able to hit three-pointers. That's where even compared to a year ago, I think he's taken a step forward. I'm just curious your perspective because this was a guy who's the MVP a year ago, and yet even compared to 2017-2018 James Harden, he has taken a step forward. So aside from the data, just when you watch him play... You're saying saying he's taken a step forward with his step back? (laughs) Wow, your puns know no end. I like that. (laughs) I want to say his shooting percentage on his step back threes has gone up. It's the last I looked, it was around 38-39%. You know, like we're used to seeing like Curry hitting 45%, but about half of Curry's threes are catch-and-shoots. Right. Which are an inherently more efficient shot because uh, you're, you're, you know, for various reasons. Harden's are almost all pull of threes or step-back threes or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're off the dribble, they're unassisted. And this is amazing. The uh, NBA record, I think he has the NBA record, which I'm I'm going off of memory here, I think is 196 Mm -hmm. unassisted threes that he made in this season, said that last year. He already has 174 this year, and it's January. Like, he's going to break the record for unassisted threes before the All-Star break. That's insane. And when, when Curry... Had his like season where he transitioned basketball into a new era. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was one of the greatest seasons in history, and and I, I I loved every moment of it. He had 177 that year, and so Harden's probably gonna go over that the next game he plays on Saturday. That's just mind boggling to me. Like he he's he's on that level. Like I would. I almost want to say the, 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 the what Curry's season did compared to everything else that had happened before, Harden is doing the same thing. Like he's taking another step, like a step forward, like equal to Curry's step forward. Yeah. And I think part of it is is the the step back three. I think part of it is weird as this is going to sound, Capella's also taking a step forward. Sure. Because, uh, you know, Capella, he he's always had that alley-oop game mm-hmm. going with Harden or, you know, like where Harden will nutmeg passers. And, right. And Harden and, and, and Capella's had, been able to have that done. What he's added this year, he's added some post-up moves. He's added that little hook shot. Uh, you know, he kind of, uh, I, I don't want to go into, you know, like call it the, the dream shake or anything like that, but more of a clinch shake. You know, sure. he's got a little little bit of that there. He's got but a jump he's, hook. He, he, yeah. What's that? He's got a jump hook. Yeah, he's yeah. developed his touch. Yeah. yeah. He, he's got some, uh, you know, and he, he'll, he'll bounce the ball once or twice right. before he, you know, makes his moves. And he's just, he's developed a little bit of he can create his own shots. Some. Yes. And, and so that's changed the way that uh, defenders have to defend him. And it takes just a little bit of the pressure off of Harden. It takes some of the, the focus off of Harden. And he's been able to use that to get himself a little more distance, get himself a few more open looks. And I think that's helped him too. 
And, of course, it makes what he's done this week even more ridiculous, 57 and 58 in back-to-back games that Capella hasn't even played because now he's out for the last uh, or for the next four-plus weeks with that thumb injury, unfortunately. We'll see how he and the Rockets adjust to that. But the last hardened topic I want to get to with you, Kelly, how ridiculous do you find these narratives that are out there now about, well, he's a volume shooter, which, of course, he's never been with how well he passes the ball. But the funniest thing is that, well, can he play with – anyone else handling the ball because it is incredible to me. We just watched this Rockets team with James Harden as the MVP when 65 games a year ago, when Chris Paul was out there for basically 60 games. And then with Chris Paul out there, you know, they beat the jazz and the Timberwolves, two pretty good teams in four games to one gentleman sweeps. And then they were up three games to two on the vaunted warriors before Chris Paul's hamstring went out. So, you know, I understand that today's social media era, you know, memories are short, But it's just crazy to me, after all we've seen this past year with Harden and Chris Paul, how well that worked, that Chris Paul misses a month with the hamstring, and all of a sudden, these questions are coming up again about, well, does Harden handle the ball too much to coexist with, you know, a more traditional system? To me, that's just silly, because we've already seen the success between Harden and Chris Paul, correct? Correct. And, And I mean, like, who's supposed to be handling the ball, Nene? Right. But, like, who, who who else on that team? It, it's not like, uh, okay, Austin Rivers? Well, yeah, Austin Rivers has been handling the ball a lot. And he, he's actually done really well. Dan Wellhouse, you know, he was handling the ball. Who, who, should, who should be handling the ball more that isn't? Right. You know, they don't have a lot of shot creators on that team. That's number one. Uh, number two, like you said, he... he does pass the ball. He's one of the league's best passers. And it's it's just like when you score 115 points in two games and get criticized, that's an indication of whoever's doing the criticizing, not the guy who's getting criticized. Sure. I agree with that. <laughs> I Tell- guess, who, who else have you ever seen? Like there's a, there's a very small list of players that have scored 115 points in two games, and the list is even smaller of people that got dumped on afterwards for it. Last topic, I want to give you a chance to plug your website. I know a lot of people know you over the years at Kelly Scladda on Twitter, but also Bleacher Report, Van Rag, a number of outlets. you got your own site now, the Basketball Writers, BeBallWriters.com, which is where you can find your piece we've been talking about. Is James Harden having the greatest offensive run ever? Just talk about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And also, you know, why it's unique? Because one of the cool things, you know, subscription models aren't new. You know, we all hope that they succeed, those of us in the business, because people deserve to get paid for their work like anything else. But one thing I kind of like about your site is that, you know, there is an a la carte option. You know, if you just wanted to check out one article and pay for that, you can do that. So to me, you're doing some innovative things with that. Just give a little bit of background about, you know, why you did it. And, you know, you can pitch your site to our audience if you want, the basketball writers at bballwriters.com. Well, there, there's a couple of things. One is we just, me and uh, a guy named Joel Cordes, who was one of my um, editors of Bleach Report, best editor I've ever worked with, and a guy named Ray LaBov, mm. who is, um, he's at Ticket Rules. Right. Uh, but uh, anybody that subscribes to Basketball Intelligence knows Ray. At least they know his work. He's the one that comes through literally thousands of articles a week and finds the very best ones and 
post links to about the top 20, 30 articles he reads every day. And if you're not subscribing to Basketball Intelligence, you really should because it just saves so much time you get get to glean the best of the NBA writing. But we all agreed it shouldn't be that hard, you, you know, to to find good writing, to have intelligent conversations. There's so much stuff out there that's, you know, like top 10 lists. I know I, the irony of me saying this is a Bleacher Report writer, but, you know, I also say if you ever uh, hate reading clickbait, people that have to write it hate it even more. And Agreed. people that have to edit it hate it even more. I mean, it's not like, yep. you know, the people that are doing that to to make a living are doing it because that's what they grew up wanting to do or something. It's not like they love the game and so they're writing clickbait. But that that was, we you know, like as we talked about it, we realized that's where the whole market is at. Mm-hmm. That's the way the, that that's what drives the market is is clicks and ads and all of that. And so we thought, you know, well, that's that's where uh, subscription models come in. But then the other thing is, you know, we want to see writers get paid like writers work so hard. And you see like some of these uh, other sites where you're getting either paid for clicks or you're just not getting paid sufficiently for your work. So the other thing we're doing that's really unique is when you sign up, you can either choose all of the writers, you can choose one writer. And when you sign up, 35% of your subscription goes to that writer. Hmm. So the, the writers actually make more money off the site than the owners do. And I don't think anybody else is like that. We're, and, and there's no cap on it. There's not like... Hmm. Once you've got a thousand uh, subscribers, that's all you, you know, if you have 10,000 subscribers that are paying $5 a month and that's $50,000 a month, well, you get 50, 35% of, you know, you get, you make $17,500 a month is your income. And then the rest of it goes towards uh, things like the pictures and images are more mm. expensive than people realize. Uh, editor, editors, full-time editors, right, like that. That there is also uh, Patreon, where you know people can get people to subscribe and and help support them. So it's similar to that, but you know, like with Patreon, most most writers can't get enough support to provide their own imaging and editorial staff. You know that you know altogether, you're talking about a five or six thousand dollar a month fee for that so most people aren't going to be able to get enough people on their own to pay for all of that and then still get a full-time income out of it so the idea is that by coming together and everybody by having a bunch of writers come together we can all share that cost of of writers and editors and whatnot like that you know that's the nutshell of the site and and then because writers are are getting their own subscribers and things like that. They have a sense of ownership about the site. The other, the other aspect of this is we tried to bring the basketball intelligence standard to all the writers we hire. Mm-hmm. Just every every article we publish, we, we want to stand behind is your. This is worth your money. We we've we've tried to find the best writers we can, and we we make sure that all the articles that are published are the best. And we we're we're expansive. We've got WNBA and we've got EuroLeague and we've got NBA and you know it's not just all you know top 10 plays of LeBron or MVP debates or you know just kind of you know trade rumors and all that kind of stuff we'll we'll let Bleach Report and 
fan cited and all of those places take care of that. We, we want insight. We want research. We want intelligent conversations going on. So, yep. And it's a great, it's a great enterprise. And I'll throw a shout out to Nikias Duncan, who we've had this on this show a few times this year, very insightful guy. And no surprise at all that you guys went after him because he's a great writer and he does great stuff everywhere. He writes as well, just as you do. Kelly. Oh yeah. Love Nikias. I've known Nikias for years now. So yeah, we're really happy. He's part of our, Yep. Our endeavor here. Absolutely. I think everybody in Houston is too. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for the time. Folks, if you want to follow him, of course, the website basketballwriters, bballwriters.com is where you can find that. But if you want to follow Kelly on Twitter as well, well, where he has the strongest pun game of anyone in NBA Twitter, you can do so at Kelly Scaletta. Kelly, thanks so much for the time, buddy. Okay. Hey, Owen, oh, you know, Ben, just uh, one more thing, just to let all the readers know mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and we're going to make that James Harden article free for tomorrow so that uh, anybody that's listening and wants to take a look at it can look at it without having to pay for it. But hey, while you're there, if you want to, if you like what you see, go ahead and sign up. There's a seven day free trial you can sign up for too. So there you go. Good deal. And folks, yeah, that article will be unlocked until Saturday night's uh, Rockets Lakers game, which of course afterwards we'll have our next episode breaking down whatever happens. Rockets Lakers Saturday night. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us and I'll have you back on soon. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Great stuff there with Kelly, I thought. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you can do so simply at Kelly Scudda. His name, same goes for me. I'm at Ben DuBose. That's my name. So with that, we can wrap this podcast. As always, I appreciate you all so much for tuning in and kicking off your weekend with us right here at Locked on Rockets, your only home for daily podcast coverage of Houston Rockets basketball. Beyond Kelly and myself, if you'd be kind enough to follow the show, Locked on Rockets, that's the Twitter handle, and also Locked on NBA Net, that's the Twitter and Instagram handle of our national Locked on Podcast Network, the curated feed for NBA hosts in all other NBA cities if you want to hear about their team, or about what they're saying about the Rockets when their team, as the Lakers will on Saturday night, gets ready for a game against your Houston Rockets. But beyond Twitter, if you're interested in interacting even more, we've got a Facebook account at facebook.com slash LockedOnRockets, a website, LockedOnRockets.com, and an email address, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com, where you can access prior content, you can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries, pretty much whatever we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the Rockets fan, or even just you, the human being. Don't hesitate and reach out and let me know. Also, if you have not subscribed to the show already, please do. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, Spotify, odds are wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find this because we're part of a great network of shows here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, experts across the entire NBA, NFL, college sports, Major League Baseball. So subscribe, leave five-star reviews. That's how you get the benefit of episodes delivered right to your inbox as soon as they're up. And I get the benefit of boosting our subscriber figures and looking attractive to potential advertisers so that we can make the math work financially and keep this running as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. Also, if you got a smart speaker for Christmas or sometime recently, or you use voice assistant providers to listen to this or other podcasts, we're working with those programs as well. So just say play podcast Locked on Rockets to your smart speaker or voice assistant, and you should be able to find our most recent episode that way as well. Once again, thanks to Kelly Scaletta for dropping by and spending some time with us today. Thanks to you for spending your time listening to us. I know it's been a bit of a downer week. Hopefully this episode perks you up a little bit because even though the Brooklyn loss was bad, well, James Harden scored 58 points and he's still on one of the most historic stretches that this game has ever seen, averaging about 42 points and 9 assists per game in this current 19-game stretch in which the Rockets have won 14 of to get themselves squarely back into the Western Conference playoff field. 
So on that positive note, until Sunday when we'll be breaking down the Saturday night game, Rockets-Lakers, ABC national telecast. The Lakers won't have LeBron James, so the Rockets will be favored. Hopefully they can use the frustration from whatever happened Wednesday against the Nets to their advantage. But whatever the result, of course, we'll be right back Sunday morning breaking it all down right here at Locked on Rockets, your home for daily coverage of Houston Rockets basketball. So for now, go out, have a great start to your weekend, and come back at the very end when we'll be breaking down Rockets-Lakers from Toyota Center on Saturday evening.